take everything with a grain of salt, really dig in and understand and get comfortable with the assumptions that are being made on the deal so that when you invest, you can be sure that there's ample buffer built into the deal and there's lower risk in this higher interest rate environment. You're listening to The Life & Money Show, a podcast that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth for their families and impacting the world around them. And now here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Hello, hello everyone. Annie Dickerson here and together with the fabulous Julie Lamb, we wanted to welcome you to another episode of the Life and Money Show, where we do our best to keep you in the loop on all things related to life and money. Now, as we're recording this, I just wanted to share this morning I was able to go and attend a school tour for my younger son. Those of you who have listened to many of our episodes in the past, you've probably heard Julie and I talk about schooling for our kids. So Julie has three kids and I have two. And as you know, (laughs) just because the kids are growing up under one roof doesn't mean they are alike. In fact, all three of Julie's children are very different and my two boys couldn't be more opposite. So while we've found a great school for our older son, who's 10, actually, I think we've talked about this in a previous episode. It's a micro school up in Pinol in the East Bay in California. It is a micro school. It's got about 25 kids and I think something like 14 teachers in an attachment-based model. And they actually call it an unschool because it's basically opposite to everything that a normal, typical public school would offer. So rather than set classes, set schedules, set times, the kids really have freedom to roam, freedom to explore, to pursue passion projects. And at the beginning of every semester, they poll all the kids on their interests and then they create classes based on the kids' interests. So In the past, they've had things like Russian language, wars and revolutions, micronations where the kids get to design their own countries, friendship, Japanese calligraphy, all sorts of really fun and interesting topics that the kids are interested in. And sometimes the kids even lead the classes themselves. Like for example, my son, of course, being my son, he's interested in marketing. I don't know where he picked that up, but he has created a class of his own around social media marketing and they're testing all sorts of things. He's posted a bunch of YouTube videos and it's just so heartwarming to see when the educational model fits the child so well well. And in this case, it certainly fits him very well. Not so much the case for my younger son. I mean, he's doing okay in a public school right down the street. It's a darling little school and he's sort of middle of the road. And I think if we kept him in the same school, he'd be middle of the road pretty much throughout his education. But you're not listening to this podcast and we didn't create Good Egg and the Life and Money show because we wanted to be average. We know that each of us is put here for a purpose and as much as we can, we want to empower our kids to be not just ordinary, but extraordinary. And so that was the school tour I was on this morning. It was a Waldorf-inspired school. Those of you parents might know Waldorf is, I'm not going to get into the whole backstory of it, but it's a very different educational philosophy than traditional public schools. And the campus was outdoors and just lots of light, lots of nature, lots of community infused into everything that they do. And so when we're thinking about and talking about life by design, this is it, right? Talking about 
not only creating that life by design for ourselves, but also thinking about it for our family members, for our kids, for our friends. How can we ensure that everybody gets to live a meaningful and intentional life by design so that everyone can fulfill their highest purpose and together that's what's going to really change the world. But anyway, just wanted to share that little tidbit, that little bit of insight into my personal life and what I'm thinking about and up to these days. But with that, today we're going to talk about a very pertinent topic that's probably been on your mind, maybe not forefront on your mind, but certainly something that you've probably heard about, read about, thought about over the last several months, and that is interest rates. I'm sure at some point, even if you don't follow the news or read the news closely, you've seen or heard talks of the Fed raising interest rates. And so today we thought it would be valuable to have a discussion around that, talk about what that means. And in particular for you as an investor, what does that mean? What can you expect? What should you be cautious of in this environment? Is now a good time to invest or should you hold off? And so all those questions we're going to cover in this episode. But first, wanted to share about how to get to know us a little bit better. If you are considering investing alongside us through Good Egg Investments, a great way to get to know us a little bit better is to look at our track record because you certainly don't want to invest with somebody who is doing this for the first time. Over the last several years, we've done 40 syndications and exited 20 of them. And so what we've done is put together a track record and case studies deck that you can download. And it'll go into depth on not only the original projected returns for each of these 20 deals that we've exited, but also the actual returns that we were able to deliver to our investors. And I will tell you right now, spoiler alert, we did not exceed projections on every single one. In fact, I would be a little bit wary of any operator who says they have a 100% perfect track record. We're all human. There are things that always come up unexpectedly. And so in this guide, you'll get to see a little bit more about what happened in certain cases and what we've done and what we're continuing to do to improve our operations with every deal that we do. All right. So with that, to get a copy of that, you can just go to actually any page on our website, but the easiest is goodegginvestments.com and go to the bottom there. You'll see the big case studies section and you can download it from there. All right. With that, let's go ahead and dive into our conversation today around interest rates. All right. And I mentioned in particularly we want to make sure that you're educated as an investor about not just the economics of what's going on in the financial landscape in terms of interest rates, but also what they mean for you as a passive investor. But we are going to start with a little bit of background. So let's start with the recent, the quarter point increase, the 0.25% increase or 25 basis points that the Fed announced just last week as of this recording. So 
What this means is that the Fed raised rates by those 25 basis points, and that brings the target range currently up to 45 to 4.75%, which is fairly high, relatively speaking, certainly not as high as it was back in the 1980s when it was back in up in the 18%, 20% range. But we haven't seen rates at this level, the 4.5%-ish level since October 2007. So it's been a number of years. And funny enough, October 2007 was when my husband and I got married. So for as long as we've been married, interest rates have been lower than that. Isn't that funny? Well, the why does the Fed continue to raise rates? And in fact, they've raised rates several times since March of 2022. And the reason that they continue to raise rates is in an effort to curb inflation. I'm sure you've seen the price of many, many things go up over the last year or so. And so what the Fed is trying to do is they're trying to put slow that down. They're trying to make sure that things stay at a relatively affordable level. And so how does this happen? So when the Fed raises rates, the goal is to increase the cost of credit throughout the economy. Now, I'm going to speak slowly at certain points because I'm not an economic buff. (laughs) Economics? Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. Not an economics buff. I didn't major in economics in college. So I am learning this right alongside of all of you. And I know sometimes it can take a little, a moment to process some of this. So I'm going to say that again. When the Fed raises rates, the goal is to increase the cost of credit throughout the economy. A rising interest rate makes loans more expensive for both businesses and consumers, and that includes mortgage rates. So what happens is everybody has to pay a little bit more for their interest payments. And as a result, those who can't or don't want to pay the higher interest rates, well, what do they do? They may choose to postpone those people who are looking to buy a house. They might say, well, maybe we'll just continue renting for a little bit longer. Or they may walk away from projects altogether that might involve financing. Now, at the same time, this encourages people to save more money because they're earning higher interest on the money that they're saving. And in addition, housing prices may even slow. And we're starting to see some of that because fewer people are buying. And so the demand is starting to go down, not across the board. There's certainly parts of the country where demand is still high, but also parts where that demand is leveling off because those mortgage rates are rising. So this in turn, see, there's a whole like sequence of events. So the Fed does one thing and then 10 things happen as a consequence, right? (laughs) So this in turn reduces the supply of money in circulation which tends to lower inflation and moderate economic activity, which helps to cool things down. So again, it reduces the supply of money in circulation because again, people are saving more money. They're not spending their money because things prices are going up, interest rates are going up. So instead of going out and spending, they're holding on to their money and that's what helps to curb inflation. So in a nutshell, the Fed raises rates in hopes that things like your grocery bill will stop increasing so much every month. So on that note, thank you, Federal Reserve, for doing that. (laughs) However, there are also other consequences, especially for us as investors, good and bad, that raising interest rates 
has. So let's dive into a little bit of that because raising interest rates also means that getting the same financing or debt is going to cost us more in each monthly mortgage payment, whether you're buying a house or you're investing in real estate. And this impact of the housing market will in turn impact all of our real estate investments. This can happen as our expenses increase with more money going to the bank to pay for the loans on our properties. So let's dig in a little bit further. So here at Good Egg Investments, we're constantly analyzing potential deals. And when interest rate hikes occur, what happens is we have to scrutinize each deal all that much more carefully because that line item goes up. And in fact, it's not always under our control. So we have to build an additional buffer to make sure that we can cover those higher monthly payments. And so we underwrite each deal around the rates that we can find, but we also build an additional buffer to make sure that we can cover if the rate goes up, even in the time that from when we get it under contract to the time that we close on the deal, the rates can go up. So that's something that we're watching very, very carefully. Now, in a high interest rate environment, especially in an ever-increasing interest rate environment, the best operators are the ones that can truly make real estate deals work. Because as you know, we always say anybody can make a deal look good on paper, but you don't want to be caught with those rising interest rates when you're not prepared. And that's what some of the less experienced operators are now getting a taste of, unfortunately. So what happens, and this is why it's so important to find the right team, is unfortunately, some operators in an effort to make the deals pencil will start to move around other numbers in their underwriting to make the deal seem more feasible or seem like a better deal. And so perhaps they might cost in management line items or budget less for value-add opportunities. But either way, these can become extra risks and lead to smaller returns for the investors, not to mention that it leads to lower amounts of buffer in the deal, which can put the deal at risk. So all that being said, when the rates are on the rise, it is more crucial than ever to find good operators to invest with. With the appreciation cycle after the 2020 pandemic, investment groups could get away with buying something that was maybe a little too expensive. There was incredible market velocity which as you know means there's a ton of appreciation, but in today's market, today's financial landscape, things have shifted. And so you can't get away with that anymore. And so today, no one can or should hope for appreciation. You shouldn't expect it. And so you've got to find operators that underwrite conservatively and under promise so that they can over deliver. What you don't want is people still promising you returns that you may have seen three, four, five years ago. It's very, very unlikely unless they are fiddling around with some of the numbers behind the scenes. So just some food for thought as you're considering potential investments, which we'll get to as to whether or not it's a good time to invest. Now, let's talk a little bit further about what can a multifamily operator do in this market right now? Well, it can be hard to make any deal look incredibly appealing in a high interest rate real estate market, but there are a few ways to reduce the uncertainty behind changing interest rates when obtaining debt for a real estate deal. Now, the most important thing 
for any operator should always be preserving their investor's capital and not rushing into any deal, just do a deal. Deals must be scrutinized now more carefully, in especially in the current higher interest rate environment that we're in. And so you as an investor certainly don't want to work with a team that tweaks the numbers just to make a deal look good. And so the onus is going to be a little bit more on you in this environment to do your due diligence, really ask those tough questions and get to the heart of it. Don't just take everything as it is, but take everything with a grain of salt and really dig in and understand and get comfortable with the assumptions that are being made on the deal so that when you invest, you can be sure that there's ample buffer built into the deal and there's lower risk in this higher interest rate environment. All right. So let's talk about the different types of debt because this is key, especially when you're considering investing in this environment to ask those questions about what kind of debt are you getting? on this deal. And so let's talk about a few different options. Now, first, sort of the gold standard is fixed interest rates. In other words, those interest rates that are basically set in stone. Doesn't matter how much more the Fed raises rates, that rate, that fixed interest rate is locked in. So fixed rate debt means that the interest rate quoted will remain the same for a specified duration of time. Like I just said, no matter how much the Fed decides to raise rates in the coming months, a fixed rate loan means that it will be protected against all of those ups and downs. In this market, it is still possible to find fixed rate debt over longer periods of time, especially such as a seven-year term. Banks and lenders mitigate their risk, mainly the risk of interest rates rising and thus missing out on higher interest rates payments by offering fixed rate debt. The numbers are a little bit higher. For instance, these rates are sometimes at, let's say, 6 to 7%, which is roughly double what they were just a year ago when the Fed began raising the base rate. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate, but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? Perhaps you're afraid like we were that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. We'll identify the growing markets, strong, experienced teams, and the solid deals. We do all the heavy lifting of managing the tenants and the renovations, and as a passive partner, you get to enjoy all the benefits of investing in real estate, monthly cash flow, long-term appreciation, and the ongoing tax benefits. When we first discovered passive investing through real estate syndications, we realized it fit perfectly into our busy lives. We could put our money to work for our families, work less, and get more time back in our days so that we could focus on what matters most and discover our true passion and purpose in life. We've now helped hundreds of people invest passively in real estate syndications and are seeing the positive impact it's had on their lives. 
We invite you to partner with us by joining the Good Egg Investor Club today so you can start putting your money to work for you and get more time back in your day. Because we know that when people have more time in their days, they can do the true work they were intended to do and the world will be a better place. To sign up for the Good Egg Investor Club, go to goodegginvestments.com slash invest and we'll take it from there. That's goodegginvestments.com slash invest. And so for fixed rate debt, it's a trade-off, right? Because banks and lenders are trying to lower their risk. They're forcing that maybe the rate will continue to go up. So they're hedging their bets and setting that rate a little bit higher. The downside to this is that disincentives are included to encourage borrowers, which is us as the investors and the operator, from selling early and paying off the loan balance. So for example, if we sign off on a loan with a longer term, let's say seven to 10 years, and then we sell in a shorter term, let's say five years, there's typically a substantial fee for that. And again, banks, I get it, right? They're not in here doing this for the goodness, just for the goodness of their hearts either. They're trying to make money too. They're trying to keep the lights on and make money as well. So they have to hedge their risk as well. And that's why they build in things like the higher interest rates, the longer terms, and the prepayment penalties. So that's fixed rate. That can be a really good solution in this fluctuating interest rate environment, but it does come with some downsides to consider. Next is the potential of a loan assumption. So essentially a loan assumption is one that can be taken over by the buyer when the owner of a property sells. So let's say, for example, you own an apartment building and it has an assumable loan at, let's say the rate is 4%. Now, if that loan is truly assumable, that means you could sell it to me and I could just take on the existing loan without having to get a brand new loan. And in some cases, especially in this environment, this can be a really huge win because if you've got, presumably you got your loan years ago in a lower interest rate environment, let's say 3.8% because that's the loan we're assuming on Encore Metro Millennia, which is the first deal in Good Egg Wealth Fund 2, which is the offering we currently have open as of this recording. So 3.8%, right? We just said a new fixed rate loan would be six to 7%, possibly higher. But this is assuming a loan that already exists that was put into place years ago. And so this is kind of like a loophole. It's kind of like a cool way to kind of bypass those higher interest rates in this environment, and which is why this can be such a great strategy. Now, not every loan can be assumed and every lender has their own stipulations. There are some loans that state it cannot be assumed and certain criteria that are required that make a loan assumable. So those are all things that we're looking at as we're considering whether or not it's viable to assume the loan. As with any type of loan, there are certain risks that come with assuming a loan and with loan assumptions in particular, sometimes it does take a little bit longer to close because there's often more hoops to jump through and more paperwork to be done behind the scenes, more due diligence that the lender is doing to then transfer that loan over to us. Um, So sometimes this can take a longer period of time, maybe 
let's say 90 to 100 days, sometimes longer. So that's a potential downside for this strategy. But when it is successful, and we have done this successfully before, it's a great option because again, you bypass the higher rates in today's environment and you get in at yesterday's rate, which is ideal in today's landscape. Now the question is, well, is it possible to find the best of both interest rates in real estate? Well, (laughs) let's say it's coming to mind is the ice cream, right? So let's say when you bring together caramel and chocolate ice cream with chocolate cookie swirls, chocolate chip cookie dough and peanut butter cookie dough, that is essentially Ben and Jerry's, the tonight dough flavor, we too can combine these high interest rate hedges into a delicious fixed rate, assumable loan. So that is one of the best options when we can bring together the fixed rate, assumable fixed rate loan that's also assumable. Now, so we've talked about fixed rate loans. We've talked about assumable loans. And for some reason, I just brought in an ice cream example where we swirled together the best of both worlds. Now let's talk about the other side, floating interest rates. Ah, floating interest rate. It's what it sounds like. So floating means it's floating, can go up, can go down. All right. So while biggest hedge on debt in this environment is getting a fixed rate loan, perhaps in the form of an assumable loan, it is still possible to use floating rate debt, even in today's high interest rate environment and still make it work. First, it may be possible to secure a period of interest only payments. Maybe the first two to three years, let's say, are interest only, but the interest rate is floating. So it can go up and down. So if a deal is turned around in that period of time, the numbers could be very appealing. However, if the business plan does not account for the higher interest rate payments after that initial interest only period, then you could be in some hot water, right? Because once that interest only or IO period ends, you don't want to be, for lack of a better analogy, you don't want to be caught with your pants down. (laughs) I don't know why these weird analogies are coming to mind, but anyway, you want to have a plan is what, I, what I'm trying to say. So floating interest rates are doable. They're not the worst, but they do require very careful scrutiny and planning because you don't want to be caught with that floating interest rate going higher than you had expected or higher faster than you expected because that could put the deal at risk. Now, one interesting thing about floating interest rates are the potential to purchase a cap. So a cap is one potential viable solution to make the floating rate debt structure work in this current real estate market. Putting a cap on a loan is like only bringing a set amount of cash to go shopping for that new thing, that new gadget that you want, right? The price you'll pay can only go up to a certain amount because you only brought that amount of cash. So you got to limit your options, but you know you're not going to spend more than that amount. And a loan cap is simply a defined amount that the interest rate will not exceed. Now, caps must be bought when a loan is originated. Buying a cap also often requires upfront fees depending on the size of the cap. Now, these fees can, especially in today's market can be quite substantial. So to give you an example, I've seen quotes where buying a 2% 
interest rate cap that's above what you're getting it at could cost upwards of $2 million, $2 million, $3 million. And so I think actually that was 1%. Anyway, you get my point. (laughs) Buying a rate cap can be very expensive. And again, it goes back to the lenders wanting to make sure that they are protecting themselves because if the Fed does continue to raise rates substantially, then they want a little piece of that. They want to be able to get a little bit of that. And so that's why they charge those fees up front to hedge their risk. So like I mentioned, these options can hedge risk, but higher fees can hit a deal harder, especially midstream. If the cap expires and you need to buy a new cap, that can be very tricky, especially if that's something that you haven't accounted for upfront. And so for deals that we're acquiring now, if there's floating rate debt, we're looking very carefully at what the rate cap options are and what makes sense. There's a threshold at which it becomes too expensive to purchase a certain rate cap. And there's a threshold where it's the cost is very low, but the protection is not very much. So there's somewhere in the middle where it makes sense for us to come out of pocket to purchase that rate cap. And it gives us enough protection that we have ample buffer in the deal. So that's always what we're looking at is where is that sweet spot when we're considering floating rate debt with a cap. So those are kind of the main options right now, or the main options regarding loans. So there's fixed rate debt, which again, can be a little bit higher in this environment. There's assumable fixed rate debt, which is kind of the golden goose because then you can get yesterday's rates and you can assume an in-place loan, though sometimes that does take a little bit longer and it's not always guaranteed. And then there's floating rate debt, which comes with more risk, but to mitigate that risk, you can purchase a cap. All right. So with all that being said, what does all of this mean for you, particularly as a passive real estate investor? Well, first is deal flow. So when interest rates rise, there may be a slowdown of deals because just like you, we're trying to figure out what's going on (laughs) and sellers have certain expectations and they're holding on to those expectations. But as interest rates rise, buyers aren't going to be able to pay as much. And so seller expectations take time to then come down. And that's what we're seeing right now is those seller expectations are finally starting to come down and be a little bit more reasonable. That's the first thing is that you you may see back in 2018, 2019, we were doing nine, 10 deals a year. And now we're being a lot more thoughtful. I'm a lot more careful about the deals that we're looking at, really turning over every leaf, making sure we've got everything, we've considered everything, we've double, triple checked all of our assumptions. And so that can lead to a slowdown of deals that you may be seeing. So you might have done the thing where you say, I'll spend less, I'm going to try to hold back, save a little bit more. So you might have some money there ready to invest, but now maybe you're not seeing that deal flow. So that's one thing to consider is that you might not see the volume of deals that you've seen in the past. So maybe in the past, you saw one deal every month, one deal every other month, and you were like, ah, if this one doesn't work out, I'll just wait a month and look at the next one. And it just may be harder to find some of those, especially the really good opportunities in today's market. So that's the first thing to consider. And then also high interest rates impact not just commercial multifamily, but the entire 
housing market. And so you're likely to also see rising mortgage rates if you're searching for a new home to live in or a small rental property to invest in. So those are some other things to consider as well. And because you might be investing both actively and passively. So there are multiple facets to consider in this environment. Then the golden question is, should you invest at all even? Maybe this is the time to hold out, sit it out and just wait. Well, we have quite a different opinion on that. And we think that this might actually be best time to invest, believe it or not. So it can be relatively easy to manage a deal well and hit performa and projected investor returns when interest rates are at rock bottom. However, as interest rates climb and as the housing market shifts, it's increasingly important to invest with teams who underwrite carefully and conservatively, who stress test the investment from every angle, build in ample reserves and make wise strategic decisions on your behalf. Now, that being said, If you put forth the effort to find and vet those great opportunities, this type of high interest rate environment could be arguably the best time to invest because it's a time when others are fearful and holding back. And great fortunes have been made during times such as these. And so while everybody's running the other way, this may just be your best opportunity to change the trajectory of your financial future. And personally, I know this is true for Julie as well. We are certainly not holding back. There are tremendous opportunities today, and we think there's tremendous opportunities coming up. But we've been in this long enough to know it's nearly impossible to time the market. And there are, we're still seeing really great deals out there. We just have to look a little bit harder for them. Soon as the cycle shifts, that will get a little bit easier. But right now is a really great time. You just have to know who to invest with. You have to know the right questions to ask, to really scrutinize the opportunities, make sure you're investing with teams that not only have conservative underwriting philosophies, but also conservative asset management practices and whose values align with your own. So all that being said, if you are currently looking for opportunities to invest and you're a little bit nervous, you're a little bit unsure, well, you're in the right place. We have tons of resources, tons of educational materials specifically for you because we know it can be nerve wracking, especially with everything that's going on right now to be confident in what you do with your money because you can't just keep holding on to it because it's losing money every day with inflation and you want to invest it, but it's nerve wracking to find the right place to invest in, especially with the stock market going up and down, green arrows, red arrows. Ugh, can't watch that thing. It just makes me nervous. And real estate with the rising interest rates, there's an impact there. But with all that being said there, like I said, there are really great opportunities out there. And if you are considering getting to know us better and potentially investing alongside us, we couldn't be more thrilled. I would say even tickled pink that you're considering that. As I mentioned at the top of the show, a great way to get to know us and our track record better is to go to our website, goodegginvestments.com, scroll all 
the way to the bottom and download a copy of our track record deck. And you can dig into the projected versus actual returns on all the deals that we've exited to date. And on top of that, if you are at the point where you're ready to invest, go to goodegginvestments.com slash invest. And there you'll find information about our Good Egg Investor Club. You'll be able to sign up in our Good Egg Investor Portal. You'll be able to see details on our current open offering, which is Good Egg Wealth Fund 2, which both Julie and I are investing in right alongside you. And as I mentioned, I think midway through the show, we have currently our first asset in the fund under contract. It's called Encore Metro at Millennia. It's in a fantastic submarket in Orlando, Florida, 215 unit class A property. And our team has been on site. It's just a beautiful, very clean property, very strong performance to date. And we have a strong business plan in place. We're assuming the debt at that low 3.8%. So it's a little bit of a dream come true of a deal. Very hard to find, but that's what we do is we dig through all of the clutter, all of the noise to find the cream of the crop, the best of the best deals out there so that you have access to those. And we'll soon be announcing we have our second deal in the fund. The LOI, the letter of intent has been accepted. And so we are working on the PSA, the purchase and sale agreement and getting that finalized. But the beauty of these funds is especially in this ever shifting landscape, it can be really hard, even if you're an expert to find and pick the best deals. If you've only got 50,000 or 100,000 to invest and you put that all in one deal and that one deal, maybe there was just one thing that you missed or the operator missed that tanks the whole deal. Well, then you've lost your entire investment. And so that's why we've put together these funds so that you can have built-in diversification. If you only have 50K, a lot of the investment minimums are 50,000. And so you can only put that in one deal, but it can be really stressful and difficult to pick that right deal. And so with Good Egg Diversification Fund 2, which is the second multifamily equity fund that we've done, it has that built-in diversification. So if you've got 50,000, 100,000, 200,000, doesn't matter, you can invest in one fell swoop into multiple multifamily properties all in one investment and get one K1 for your taxes every year. So it simplifies it for you. And we truly believe it helps to hedge your risk. And in fact, Good Egg Wealth Fund 1, which closed in, I believe it was in August of 2022, it acquired three properties in Tucson, Phoenix, and Houston, respectively. And the performance of those assets has already exceeded Proforma. And so we have every confidence that Good Egg Wealth Fund 2 will see just as strong, if not even stronger results. So we hope that if you're considering investing, that you will take a look at Good Egg Wealth Fund 2. Again, you can go to goodegginvestments.com slash invest to invest alongside us. And if you want to just learn about that particular opportunity, Good Egg Wealth Fund 2, you can skip right to that fund investment page to read all about it. Just go to goodegginvestments.com slash fund 2. That's goodegginvestments.com slash fund and the number 2. All right. With that, we hope that you've gotten some good nuggets out of this. I've certainly learned a lot in researching all of this information that I didn't learn in my high school or college economics classes. It's fascinating to live through these times. It's not always easy, 
but it's fascinating. And so thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us today. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Life and Money Show. You've been listening to the Life and Money Show, the number one podcast for people who, like you, are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth and making an impact in the world. For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com and be sure to join the Life and Money Show community on Facebook. And if you got value out of the show, please subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations. 